Welcome to Rog Bogues. This is the Basketball Series, episode 58 and counting. Myself, Andrew Bogart, Mike Procopio at Hoop Consultants. What is going on? Bogues, what are you up to, brother? Any uh, any news going on with you besides you guys rolling through the NBL? Ooh, we're rolling. We'll get to that a little later, but we are rolling. The Sydney Kings are up and firing eight straight, so we'll get to that shortly. Um, not a whole lot, not a whole lot. Got on a plane again for the first time in two months, so that was good um, to travel down to Melbourne and and um, you know see the see the Sydney Kings get a big win. So I saw that, and other than that, not a whole lot. Um, kids sick, not sick. Every other week, um, just starting school, so that's that's fun. I'm just trying to avoid all the plagues they bring back from school. But yeah, man, it's uh, it's been good. Basketball, basketball's been good, and the NBA has had no shortages of. Bullshit to talk about this week, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, you know, I'm interested in seeing your thoughts on some of the things we're going to talk about tonight. It's, uh, you know, it's always, it's always something, brother. It's Never a dull moment. Something. Never a dull moment. Let's start yeah. off with our team of the weeks. This week uh, was a little bit of, t- of a tough one to pick, in my opinion. Um, but uh, my honorable mentions, look, we've got a fan that, just, that that is a big Boston fan that's a listener. So if you're listening, you're in, I'm putting Boston in my honorable mentions. Um, but we do do it week to week. So Boston have been rolling. We've given them a lot of credit over the last month. So, But they're not in my team of the week. They are in my honorable mentions. Charlotte's up there. Uh, they had a pretty good week. Milwaukee had a good week. Miami, Dallas, and Phoenix. But I'm going to go with your former team of the week, Pro, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, they're 9-1 and one in their last 10. Uh, they've won three straight. So arguably one of, the, one of the better weeks out of all the teams on that list. They are balling, man. They are playing very, very well. Um, one thing I've noticed, and even Beverly's commented on it, um, where he's trying to get Cat out of his shell and, and, and get him to start firing back and, and really taking onus of that team, and he has. Um, you're seeing Cat uh, be more vocal, uh, kind of, you know, he was always passionate, but he's showing it much more. He's going back at other guys. He's, I mean, he even did the, you know, Westbrook's airball, like you know, looking up in the stands, you yeah, know, the, the trolling, which he never would have done before. I don't think. I don't think it was a confidence thing. It just wasn't him. But he's starting to come out of his shell, and I think his teammates are embracing it. I think Beverly's a great, great tool for the Timberwolves. Those young guys. I think they need that gritty veteran. He's annoying as hell if he's if he's not on your team, but you love him when he's on your team. He's been perfect for him. Um, I'm loving the way they're playing. Edwards is coming along. Um, Russell's just quietly going about his business. Um, they've got a lot of young guys there that are, you know, every other night a different young guy steps up for him. So I'm liking what they're doing, pro. So I agree. I think you had them on a week or two ago, maybe last week. But yeah, they're my team of the week this week, pro. Yeah, you prick. I had them too. So I've been like scrolling through fucking NBA.com as you were talking. <laughs> and I don't want to, because I had both your teams. So now I got to. I'm going to like pivot with this. I oh, can go then. Hey, we say, can agree to agree. No, no, no. It, it was great. Like, look, I, I think I hit, hit on them last week, as you said. And look, I love those guys. They're playing great. And it's great to see. Um, I'll go with Philly, though. I was going to go with I was going to go with like Miami, but I think they got blown out, you know, yesterday or something. So I'm going to go with Philly. They beat Dallas. They beat Cleveland on the road. They beat Dallas at home yesterday. And they will. Um, and they lost to Denver by four. Trying to get through the whole Harden thing and figure those, you know, figure everything out. But hey, they're playing well. You know, they got they got a good supporting cast playing around those guys. And you know, it's not a team I really love rooting for. But you know, look, I had about eight point three seconds to pick a team, and I figured that uh, you know, I saw them. I saw the. I downloaded the game last night and watched the, their game against Dallas, and, and they look pretty good. So Embiid's killing it, man. I mean. 
I think Embiid's a, a I, I, you gotta, like, I like Luca for MVP, but he missed a bunch of games. So I don't know if you can give it to him. I've liked Durant as well, but I mean, you can't deny the numbers that fucking Embiid's putting up. I mean, he's, you know, yeah, he's I've, got, I've got it down to, I've got it down to Embiid, uh, Jokic, and Giannis. That's it. And I, I think it's, yeah. the, the, and, I, and I honestly, I honestly, Embiid's having a f- fantastic year, but honestly, I don't think you could argue with either of those three getting it. Um, that's that's how close the race is, in my opinion. Giannis has been forgot about, mm-hmm. forgotten about to an extent because he's had MVPs. Jokic had yeah. it last season, so I think Embiid's kind of the new shiny toy. Um, but in my opinion, I think all three of them and all three of their teams are balling. And back to my point about Jokic, like you know, you put you put him, um, you know, on, on on other rosters that some of these other guys have, they're they're dominating. You know, you put Embiid on on Denver. I, I don't know. I don't know. Does it fit the same way? Obviously, different systems. But um, and then Giannis, you know, Milwaukee's had a hell of a month and a half, two months. So, I, I, I agree. I think um, you know, Embiid's having a hell of a season. It's gonna be it's gonna be tough to pick, man. It's gonna be real tough to pick for those yeah. for those uh, beat writers and and voters on on the MVP this season. Yeah, and I'm gonna go. I'm gonna I'll, I'm gonna stand put with the team that you have. So you'll announce it. But I had the same one. I think they're. I, I don't. I'm not really big fans of the team. That uh, not right now. I, I love them. I love them during the season. I still think they're a really good team, but they, they didn't really have a great week. So I'll let you announce it. Yeah, the, the, the team of no. the week, the the bad, poor, weak team were the Chicago Bulls. They've, they've had a bad month. Um, they have had some injuries. Yeah. We've spoken about this a few times. I've actually got an interesting, interesting stat on them in uh, the Useful Useless segment coming up later. But look, two and eight in their last 10. They've lost three straight. Becoming very clunky, clunky and predictable to an extent. I mean, DeMar DeRozan was, you know, it was only two or three weeks ago we spoke about him as starting to starting to maybe form into that top three, top four MVP discussion. I think it's starting yeah. to become a bit predictable now. Um, they, you know, the NBA is a three-point shooting league. They don't, they don't shoot enough of them um, by analytic standards. Um, but... Yeah, I think they've started to just become predictable and clunky. Look, some injuries, the lineups have changed a little bit, but you can only have that excuse for so long. And I go back to the Denver Nuggets. I go back to the Milwaukee Bucks earlier on in the season. They all had to deal with injuries in different stages. Um, they they didn't really have a two and eight, you know, last ten. So yeah, they 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 they'll be they'll be okay. Um, but yeah, some interesting stats later on them. Uh, Pro, what, what do you see with them? Yeah, the same thing. And what's going on with Lonzo Ball? Have you heard anything on him? On what's going on with his? They just said there was a setback, and there's the, yeah, it's it's, it's, yeah, it's going to be longer than predicted. So um, that, it, that that was really only the update. The only update they. they I think he's a huge. I think he's a huge loss for them. And look, they've lost Patrick Williams early in the year, and I really like Patrick Williams. I think he's a Norman Powell you know, sort of starter kit. I think he's a really good player. And, you know, they've had some injury issues to start with, but then then they were rolling. I think, look, say what you want about the Ball family, Lonzo Ball, Mellow Ball, the dad, you know, the other kid from UCLA, the fat kid. And, um, you know, Lonzo Ball <laughs> is a huge, yeah, the brother, right? He, he's a huge part of their team. He's a huge part of their team. I don't like, like he's one of the better passers in the game, not the best passer or anything, but he's got great vision. He sets those guys up. It's a lot less work. Now, Kobe White is good, you know, you know, for them. And I like Kobe. I think he's more of a scorer than a distributor. And he can't really, he doesn't really have the vision ball has. He's a different type of guy. He could, you know, score and pick and rolls and make shots and things. And let's not forget they're missing Caruso. And, you know, they've, they've missed him a little bit, but, 
Yeah, they just got to get back on track. They got a good team and they got a great coach. It's just that they're struggling right now. They're trying to find their own. I think they're going to limp into the playoffs. But if they can put together a, a solid three weeks, two and a half to three weeks at some point before the playoffs starts, even two weeks, I think they'll be good. As long as you're rolling going into the playoffs, you're good. You could be struggling. You know, look, every team's going to have their struggles. And then every team's going to be, you know, some teams are going to be great at some point, untouchable. I'd rather be like limping in right now and then hit your stride, getting into the playoffs and you're good rather than like, like, you know, hitting it like 10 in a row right now. And then for some reason, lose it. Um, I don't, I think injuries have really hurt them to be honest. And it's really nipped away at them and with ball and Caruso and, and, and Williams and, you know, they lost a lot of firepower and done still done very, very well. I mean, you know, I'm looking forward if it's a Boston Chicago first round of the playoffs, that's going to be a really good one to watch. But yeah, I mean, right now, and they were sitting at like one, two, a lot of the season. Now, now they're at five and they're only a game, you know, game away from Cleveland. Cleveland's a game back. So it'll be interesting, but yeah, they got to, folks, if you haven't been through that, well, I'm sure you have in some of the stops you've had, you know, Milwaukee and whatnot, but even Golden State, did, did you have that where there was a funk where you're just like, you were good at one point during the season and then like maybe midway through or right after that all-star break, you start really struggling as a team. And what did you do to get through it? Like, what, what, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, no real glaring ones. Like Milwaukee, we'd, we'd always just generally start poorly and then have to catch our tail. That was kind of the MO when I was in Milwaukee. We'd, we'd, we'd start 500 or below and then it seemed like, hey, we're almost there. We're almost in the eight. We're, we're almost seven. We're winning that, you know, and, and, and that's what I had to deal with mainly in, in Milwaukee. With Golden State, um, I think early on, maybe the first season or two that I was there, it was kind of like we'd show spurts for a month and then – yeah. have a horror trip, right? Um, or have a horror homestand or lose a couple of games we shouldn't lose. And it was just about you, you have to go through those battles. Like you have to you have to go through that. Every championship team goes through it, um, whether it was three years before they won the championship. Like you look at what Milwaukee went through with, um, you know, Giannis and, 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 and getting him acclimatized in the NBA and playing through his mistakes. It's similar to what OKC's gone through. I think they'll be at that point in the end eventually, four or five years down the track with all the talent that they have. But you have to, I think you have to go through those battles as much as they suck. I think that the Bulls, I think you bring up a, a valid point that I'll probably elaborate on a little bit more is I think they were probably their start when they started first and second in, in, in the East and they were rolling. I think they just jumped out of the gun really well, and we forgot that they they weren't that good the year before. And even though they signed a lot of uh, you know a lot of a lot of talent, um, people questioned how it was going to work. They were still a new team, um, mm. and I think that I think we just ex I think maybe we expected too much too soon from them. I, I really do. I think they're you know um, probably a four five probably even less maybe a five to to, to eight. Um, realistically, that's where I think they'll end up. Um, you know, with the way they're playing and everything, but you know, they're in five right now. I think that's probably a fair pro evaluation of of where they are as a team. I, I mean, I think we we probably you know probably overthought things, thinking that they're going to be a top two or three team in the East, right? Um, and I think they just because it was just to a testament of them jumping out of the gate. Philly was banged up, Ben wasn't playing there, so they were down. Milwaukee started horridly. Remember, they were almost out of the ten. The Celtics started terribly. Miami have been consistent pretty much the whole time. But yeah, you look at those. So you look at 76ers, the Bucks, and the Celtics. They've all now shot out of a cannon and they're starting to peak at the right time. Whereas I think the Bulls, 
peaked out of the gate and then now they're trying to hold on hold on for dear life, you know, to hold on to a playoff spot at least for home court, which doesn't look like they're going to get that. But I think that's a valid point. I think I, I think – would you agree that, you know, looking at them now, I think still a, it's a good season for them still to be between five and – five, six, seven for them I think is a good season. But it, it feels like it isn't because they were so high early on, right? Yeah. I, and again, I think they are a, like, I had them in the beginning of the year. I had them anywhere from like three to f- like three or four or five. I thought they were going to be really good. Uh, but those injuries, man. And, you know, I think the injuries have really hurt them. I agree without the guys like, look, it, it looks like ball's going to be, I don't know what ball's going to be like in the playoffs, even if they get them back. Right. Um, you know, they could get Caruso back. Williams is going to come back soon. He just had a stint in the D league and the G league. So um, I just don't, I think they're miss like they had to play almost perfectly to play at a high level two, three, four anyway. And then you take away rotation, you take away a starter, two starters, and you take away a rotation guy in Caruso. You know, your starter was Williams and ball and you take Caruso away. It, they're not like, it's not like, it's not like, you know, Phoenix or something like that, that's really deep and really good in a finals uh, contender. You have a team that was good, but they needed everything to be flying on, you know, you know, shooting on all cylinders and firing up. And it, it just missing three guys out of the rotations, a really tough, tough, you know, a tough blow to your midsection with this stuff. And, and I think it's a, it's, it's really tough on them. And, yeah, I agree. Now I think they're probably going to be closer to five. I think they'll finish off like five. I think they could. I think they can still get a little bit hot, you know, going into the playoffs. But like I said, I think that that Celtics Bulls, if the Celtics stay where they're at, if they if those guys meet in the playoffs, it'll be pretty entertaining. That'd be a fantastic series to watch. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few injuries. Um, Steph Curry. Now, I mean, I'm. Um, I don't know what's going on. I haven't spoken to him, so this is just my assumption. But I think it's worse than they're, they're letting on. Um, you know, the, there was a, a pretty bad injury against the Celtics. Now, separate issue with that. Marcus Smart, though, for a loose ball. Looking at the replay, his eyes were strictly on the ball. He took out Steph's ankle. Steph heard it, but then didn't think it was that, that bad. Tried to try to jog it out and couldn't even run. Um, he has had issues with that ankle. Um, Hasn't had issues recently, but but when I first got there, there were big question marks about whether his ankles would hold up for a long term career. He's mm. done. He's he's overachieved on that for sure because there was a eighteen month period where you just a smallest tweak and he'd be out for two or three weeks at a time. Um, and I, I knew how frustrated he was trying to get back on track with the Warriors and rebuild and what they were doing. But um, they've just the wording um, on what they've announced. They said no further updates, um, and they're going to reevaluate in two two weeks. So for them not to really release anything, um, they're keeping their cards close to their chest and by all means, most smart clubs do that. You read between the lines and if it was a small small time injury, they'd say, yeah, you know, he's going to be out eight to 10 days. It's just a small tweak um, and then we'll progress him and see how it responds. The fact that it just says two week reevaluate, I think this is going to be a, a month plus at minimum and it could be even, even more severe than that. Um, and they, look, they sustain losing Steph uh, the Warriors better than anyone for small spurts. So, i.e., we we when I was there, we sustained it. He was out for a playoff series almost, I think, uh, against Portland, and we sustained that. He came back game five. We won the series. So we can, you know, the Warriors can do it for small spurts. My worry is if if it's if it's 
two, three months, um, that's tough to sustain. You know, it's, that's one of the best players in the game. And then all of a sudden now the pressure falls on a Clay Thompson who's trying to come back from an injury already um, and, and Draymond Green who just came back from injury. So there are some worrying times down there in, uh, in the Bay, Pro. Well, I think this is going to be a really tough one to come back from. Um, you know, it, it did look bad. You know, like I, I know Kerr was sticking up for, you know, for his guy during the game and all that, but I don't think it was intentional. It didn't look so, but who, who, who are we to guess? I mean, we're just guessing, right? But it just looked like it was one of those plays that it just, it didn't go their way and, you know, end up getting hurt and it rolled on it and, and whatnot. But it, it's going to be tough there. You know, look, Thompson's not himself yet. You know, Wiggins has been up and down. Draymond's been hurt. You know, he's just coming back. You know, that's a lot. That's a Paul's been better. Paul's been Poole's much better. Paul's been better. You know, um, mm-hmm. you've seen a little bit of Moses Moody. You've seen a little bit out of Kaminga. You know, they've been, look, I think that this could be great for the young guys to sort of play more minutes. I'm, I'm into that. But, like, losing Steph at that age, at that at this juncture of the season, I mean, he he's – not playing at a high, high, high level like he usually is anyway, you know, with the shooting and things considering, you know, where he's been the last few, but you, you get hurt like that with that ankle going to the playoffs, it's going to be really tough. But um, look, they've had a fight through all year, you know, without clay and then they lost Draymond and then clay comes back. Um, You know, it's been a, it's been a tough one, but look, the young guys have played a little bit. I think they've gotten better guys like pools gotten better you know, Peyton's been great. Um, you know, Moody's had a couple of games here and there. You know, I guess I read today. Did you read there where Wiseman's his knee swelled up or whatnot? He's had a little bit of a setback. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So setback, yeah. So they brought him back to the Bay, away from, back from the G League team, and again, you know, I don't think that'll be a severe out. But if it's swollen up already with a load lift, that's a concern concerning out as well. And they're short, big man wise as well as it is. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're definitely, I mean, that's, that's a definitely blow to them. I, <clears throat> they probably expected him to play a little bit, you know, heading into it and heading into the playoffs and things. So um, it's, yeah, it's things that happened when it did. And I'll tell you what though, you know, Utah is only three back and Dallas is only four back. So they're probably licking their chops too, where, you know, they have, they'll have a, they'll have a, a good shot at those guys. If, if Curry's out or, or, or is not at 100%, you know, it's pretty close between, in my opinion, it's still pretty close between Golden State, Utah, Dallas, and stature, not exactly where they're going to end up. But, like, if they met each other in the playoffs, like, it'll be a close series, any three of those teams, even Memphis. So I think it, it really puts a different look on the West as far as playoff implications if if Curry can't get to 100%. Uh, you get a, a couple of these teams knocking on their door as it is. So it'll be um, it'll be an interesting first round of the playoffs and, and going actually no in the next the last ten the next ten games where everything stacks up and then you know heading into the playoffs where they're going to be. Yeah, and back to your point about Kerr. For those that don't know and didn't see, he blew an absolute gasket. He caught a timeout, I believe, and, and started yelling at, at Marcus Smart during the timeout, um, saying it was dirty because they obviously had had film coaches showing the clip during the game live in play. Um, I mean. I think Kerr's frustration probably lies with the fact that <laughs> their best player has just gone down and they're probably going to have to – he's going to have to come up with some more innovative plays and things to do and ways to win games. Um, you take away even – even you know, he's not shooting the ball as well. You take away that, that there goes a, a shitload of your floor spacing again. 
Um, you know, Clay obviously will keep him on or so will Jordan Poole, but then with Draymond out there and a few other guys, that shrinks your floor spacing. So big, big out there. Even if Steph's not shooting well, it hurts your offensive flow and spacing. Um, I, look, I don't think it was dirty. I looked at the replay numerous times. Um, eyes were on the ball, you know, and Marcus Smart's a guy that, you know, he has form. For, he dies for loose balls. If, if the ball is loose, he's going to get on the floor. He's the first one to the floor. And a lot of times you say the first one to the floor is the guy that doesn't get hurt. That's usually, you know, football metaphor or or a basketball metaphor for a reason. And, yes, it is unfortunate. It is a contact sport and you just hate to see it. You don't, you don't, you know, you don't want it to happen. But I think Steve's probably wrong on this one. But he, he had to do that, though, at the same time. He has to go to bat for his player. I think the players respect that he's gone, you know, right or wrong, I'm going to bat for you. And um, and he's coached Marcus Smart too with the Team USA. So they, they have a relationship. That's what was funny about it. But um, we'll watch your space. Let's just hope. I hope Steph, you know, you always hope every team's healthy. Like whether you're, I mean, I'm I'm, an, I'm not really a fan of one team in particular. I mean, I've obviously got soft spot for the Milwaukee Bucks and the Golden State Warriors for obvious reasons. But um, you never want to, I just love to see great basketball and come playoff time, um, I'm one of those fans that wants everyone healthy. Even if it's a team I don't like, I want them healthy so I can see them go mono and mono with the other good team, right? You don't, you never want to see a player missing here or there or different series because then there's always the what ifs. But um, another injury pro, Ben Simmons has re-injured his back. Um, he's had some issues with the L4, L5 region, which is your lower back for those that don't know. Pressure's mounting pro. Um, look, they're limping into a playoff run. Um, the Brooklyn Nets are. They're starting to play better and they're getting there when Kyrie plays on the road, that is. But they're playing better. But limping into a playoff run that should be a potential championship run isn't good. Um, so with Ben Simmons and his well-noted mental health issues, um, I think the pressure has a big part to do with that. Um, everything that happened in Philly, now you're getting to Brooklyn, you, you know, as, as being part of a, a, a decent-sized trade um, when I went from Milwaukee to Golden State, I was so eager to get back on the floor for Golden State, and I was hurt when I got there. Um, and I felt the not not the pressure. I, I was I wanted to get out there. I want to show you guys what you traded for, all that kind of stuff. So I think Ben probably feels that that pressure is going to mount the longer he waits. And and you know, for a team like Brooklyn, who's, who should be going into a deep playoff run. Um, You'd hope he gets some games under his belt. Uh, they're, they're, Brooklyn holds out hope for Ben to play a game or two pre-playoffs. That doesn't sound too um, too positive, um, but you don't want to, you know, like I said, they're potentially going into a, into a conference finals, hopefully, or potential finals with the way their rosters built if they can all play. Um, if you're Ben Simmons, you don't want to be limping into that because that pressure is going to mount 10 times as worse because then you're coming off an injury, you're trying to come back to form, then everyone's going to start questioning why you aren't shooting jumpers, all that. All that's going to then go into one big ball of pressure. And I mean, it's just not, it's a bad blow and it's uncontrollable for him, um, but it just sucks because I think it would have been nice for him to get out there right now, you know, get these good games, bad games out of the way get through that injury, get back to some form and conditioning, and then bang, you know, surge in the playoffs. But it doesn't look like it's going to be the case, bro. Yeah, I mean, the NBA, man, sometimes it does, that just sort of creeps up on you. Injuries or things happen unexpected, and you got to get ready. For, you got to be ready for it all. And it's unfortunate because, you know, they gave up, you know, they gave up a big asset to get Ben and, you know, oh, big asset forces way out of town, and they got Ben. And, you know, they. I'll tell you what, they are looking pretty good without him. But, you know, without it, – it's sort of like what Philly was dealing with before the trade. Like, they were doing this basically with Seth Curry and, you know, and Embiid. And, 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 like, they were doing pretty well. And you're like, wow, imagine you have, like, 40 million sitting on your sideline. 
And like, he's not saying he's in the bench in street clothes and he, or not even he's, I don't think he's with the team, but like they're doing this and they're at the, at the cusp of being pretty good without that max level player. So the same thing now happens in Brooklyn. You've got, you're doing this with sometimes with Kyrie, sometimes not. And you're doing it with Durant and then, you know, you're doing them basically with Drummond and, and Curry and whatnot. And you don't have Ben, you know, Simmons. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's something that they just have to be ready for. And, and it's unfortunate because I think everybody wants to see him play. Yeah. We all give him shit about like what he, you know, what he did and, well, you know, his whole past and of these little antics of things and this negotiation and sitting out, but, um, you want to see the guy play. You want to see good basketball. You want to see, you know, Brooklyn, see what they have with those three guys, let them play together a little bit before the playoffs, because you want a really big playoff push, especially if they were ever to get a Brooklyn versus Philly series, you know, you want everybody healthy and sort of at a hundred percent, but yeah, it sucks. But what do you think? Like if you, if you, what's your gut telling you as far as the chances of him playing at all, you know, this season playoffs, whatnot. I think he plays. He has to. I think the pressure's there. But when you're dealing with backs, they, you know, I'm a guy that's had back issues. They have a mind of their own sometimes. Sometimes we wake up in the morning and it's freed up. You're like, oh shit, it's feeling better. You got some good treatment, right. and then you start feeling better. And then all of a sudden, you do something, you pick something up, or you pick your, pick your kid up, or play with your dog, and then it goes out again. That's just uh, so he's he's gonna have to deal with that. But I think he'd want to get back out there. Uh, I don't think it's he's gonna, especially with 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 KD and. And Kyrie, you know, somewhat Kyrie. I mean, fifty percent of Kyrie would be looking at him like, "Hey, man, like, we, we made that trade for you. We need you out on the court if we're going to if we're going to go out there." Like, the clock's ticking for Brooklyn. Like, they've they missed their chance by a a foot of Kevin Durant to get to the finals, and they're getting no younger. Um, there's always an injury away. There's always a trade away. So, you know, the time is now for Brooklyn Nets. Their roster's built for today, um, and that's that's kind of probably the frustrating thing. But yeah, I'll just be interested to see. If he, if he tries to get a game or two in, and and just I just know, limp, like I said it last week, limping into the playoffs is not a good thing um, because those games, the, the the intensity and the level just goes up. You want to limp into a, a, you know, limp into some games, you know, mid April or early April that are in Minnesota or Memphis, and it's just one of those games, game seventy seven, and those guys aren't playing as hard. You can kind of get your rhythm and get a nice feel, right? You're not going to do that in the playoffs. Um, it comes at you much much faster, so that that's my only concern. But I, I hope you know. And shout out to also Andre Drummond, man. He's he's played really well. Um, played great. Got to give him credit. He was basically a throwing into that trade to, to make the salaries match up and whatnot. Um, and Seth Curry too. But Drum, Drummond's actually provided a, a really good role for him, and start, he's starting for him and putting up some big numbers. Had some big double doubles, some blocks, and so he's you know he was kind of I wouldn't say he was out of league but no he was you know he was a, a backup um, for the last couple of seasons like and, and people questioning oh he's not a starting big this that but I think he's reinserted himself into the conversation of being a pretty pretty decent solid starting big man um, and stayed professional throughout so a shout out to him but uh, to Kyrie Irving pro that got to be the, the the troll of the of the century um, with, with with what he did um, I loved it I think it was it just, it just pointed out the hypocrisy of everything going on right now in the world. For those not familiar, I'm sure most of you would be um, the Brooklyn the Brooklyn Nets are a, a private business, private organization. They have mandates where their employees in New York City need to be double vaccinated um, to perform their duties or their employment. 
in the city. Um, so Kyrie can obviously play on road games. Um, number one, what's bad about the rule is visiting team players are allowed to escape the mandate if they're a visiting team. Just It's just for home teams. So um, I guess Kyrie was hasn't been playing home games. The mandate was lifted a couple of weeks ago. I'm not sure exactly when, don't quote me on it, but the mandate was lifted for fans and, and people in the arena. So you could go and watch the Brooklyn Nets play without having to show your papers. Um, you're free to enter. So Kyrie Irving decided to buy a courtside seat and watch his team play. And it was perfectly legal. There was nothing wrong with it. Um, it caused a lot of hoorah because it showed the blatant hypocrisy that he was actually sitting with 18,000 people or however many people were at the game watching his very own team that he's not allowed to play and play with. And um, yeah, I mean, he got in some trouble uh, for going back in the locker room because he was deemed, which is just nonsense in itself. The NBA fined the Brooklyn Nets for allowing Kyrie Irving into a clean zone, um, the clean zone where the players are because they're all, they're all you know, double vaccinated and, and in the protocol, fined him $50,000. And then the very next day, Kyrie Irving is at training with the same guys and he's on a bus with the same guys and he's on a team playing with the same guys and he's playing in road games with the same guys. So I loved it. I thought it was the ultimate troll um, and it just pointed out some hypocrisy, Pro. I'm not sure what your thoughts were. Oh, there's never a dull moment in the league. I'll tell you that. It's, it's ballsy. It's pretty... Yeah, I mean, you know, that's him though. I mean, it's not, I actually, I thought it was great. I, I loved it. I just, look, if it's a mandate of the city or the state or however you're going to do it, right? And, and no one, like, no visiting, the same thing with visiting team members can't do it. That's that's one thing. But if you're allowing visiting teams to play or participate and your own team, you know, your own player can't do it, that's crazy. To me, it's nuts to be able to do that. Like, that's where, like, look, I'm, I, I, I'm always about following the rules. Regardless if you like them, you don't like them, whatever. I just sort of, hey, if that's the rule, we're going to do it. But the rule, you got to question that rule, though, of, of allowing visiting team members and fans to come in. Yeah. But your own, yeah, your own people that work for you can't. That's, that's idiotic to me. And uh, it doesn't, like, my big thing on logic is, does it make sense? You know, you may not like it, but if it makes sense, even if you don't like it, I see it. But this makes no fucking sense. And it's it's hilarious to me, but it's just fucking tomfoolery. It's like literally the, the fucking the circus music should be playing 24 seven on this shit because it's uh, yeah, it's, it's it's moronic, to be honest with you. I liked it. Good job, Kari. Keep it up. Um, but yeah, pointed out. I mean. Kevin Durant then made some comments, which I won't get into too much, but went at the mayor saying that he just wants attention. The mayor said, no, I don't. Kyrie just needs to be vaccinated, then he can play. I just wonder, pro, what, what do you think? Do you think this is going to – I think now the fact that Kevin Durant has made those comments and the, the, the mayor's actually clapped back at Kevin Durant um, and then Kevin Durant again followed up and said, oh, maybe my comments were insensitive, that he's called out the mayor – I think he he might stand strong now, even for the playoffs. Um, do do you see? Do you think there's any chance that 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 the, 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 that mandate gets waived for the playoffs? I don't know, Bogues. I, you know, things sometimes take so much time to to change, even though it shouldn't. I mean, even though if you say, you know what, we we just need to open it up. But I haven't heard. I've heard a lot of rumblings of it opening up, Bogues. But I haven't heard anything concrete about them actually talking about it. Them actually meeting about it. You know, I'm talking, I'm not talking about the NBA. I'm talking about the city itself and state, what have you. And I don't know where this is going to go. I, you got to think that they would just to give them a chance to win the championship. You know, especially like, it's not like everyone else is closed and they're, they're going to open. Everything is open. 
everything's open. And you might as well say, I mean, to do that, it'll give you good press. You know what? I mean, what's that these days? There's nothing good to fucking in the press in the last fucking three years to read about. But this gives you some good press. You got a team that could win it. You're going to let this guy play. But then again, it's like, you know, you got to stand your ground. I don't know, Bogues. Political shit to me, I don't understand. But I don't know. What's your gut telling you? I don't think they do it for basketball reasons um, because if they do it strictly yeah. for that, there's going to be a lot of angry people that had to, you know, had to get the double um, dose for their employment and they're going to flip out the mayor then. So I think he's in a tough position and I don't think he can just do it strictly for a basketball player. So I just wonder, I'm just, you know, from an, as an NBA fan, you just wonder. If- oh, so if they do it, if they do it, Bose, you, you're telling me they'll only do it for basketball, they won't do no, it for no, no, everybody? No, that's what I'm, yeah, that, that's, well, that's the thing. So, there's all these people that were mandated the last year or so that had to do it to work in New York City, mm-hmm. same as Kyrie does. Um, so if they just wave it for a basketball team, they have to do it for everybody. And then if they, even if they did wave it now, these people that have already got it are then gonna. There's gonna be some blowback because they're gonna say, "Hang on a second, I had to do it. Why is Kyrie any different?" So then it splits the community, and then that can hurt the mayor's voting, right? Um, in the long term. So that that's the other thing you got to think of politically. So. That's where it becomes political gains. It's no longer about people's health. Let's make that clear. This is no longer about people's health. Like we've made that clear. When you can sit in an arena with 18,000 people, but you can't go with your team, but then the very next day you can, it's not about health. It's about you didn't conform or punishing you. And now now it's become political that if we now drop these mandates, people are going to think it's because Kyrie's an athlete and, and he's special and, and everyday Joes are then going to be mad at the mayor. So that that's, that's my read on it. Um, so the mayor's in a... In an interesting position. That's why I'm wondering, you know, that the playoffs are two months away or just under, or not even a month, a month and a half, a month really to the day. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm, inter- I'm interested to see, you know, what happens because, you know, for Brooklyn to have a chance, he needs to play home games. Um, you know, unless mm-hmm. he comes out and drops 60 every road game, then then maybe. But um, yeah, it's 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 going to be interesting because yeah. he's a, he's a you know he's a he's a he's a pleasure to watch too when he's when he's in that in that mood um, that he was in Orlando and a few other games. He's um he's tough to stop. So hopefully hopefully that all gets sorted out. But um I won't hold my breath. But I did like the troll. Devin Booker clapped back at Anthony Davis. Did you see Anthony Davis's comments by the way? I did not. What, what what's going on with this? He so apparently he said something along the lines of um the Suns would not have won if he was not hurt that season. Um that that series where the Suns went to the finals last season, and he said we know mm-hmm. that they know that they got away with one. Um, now, you know, and then they asked Devin Booker about it and his quote was, quote, if, if a fifth, if, if was a fifth, we'd all be drunk. So if the word if was a fifth of drink, we'd all be drunk. Um, and yeah, look, he has a point. This is every team deals with it. Um, when we beat Cleveland, you know, Kyrie was hurt. He was out. K-Love was banged up. Um, it was what it was. We we won we won that series. The following season, Draymond suspended. I was banged up. Um, Iguodala was was basically you know could barely walk from back spasm. We were banged up. So it's just the way it goes. It's the luck of the bounce. Um, the healthier team at the turn of the season definitely has more of the luck fall their way. But I think it was pretty low by Davis and disrespectful of of what the Phoenix Suns have become. That this, this this if look if Phoenix right now were in seventh. Maybe he'd have a he'd have a case. You'd be like, okay, maybe yeah, they got lucky that year. 
I think they've, they've got enough runs on the board, enough points on the board right now to say that they're a solid team and they should be commended the way they've bounced back. Monty Williams has done a hell of a job there. Um, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, DeAndre Aiden, um, Bridges, crap, like they're, they're, they're really, really good, right? So I think it takes it takes credit away from what they've built there. If this was a lucky thing, it would be a one-and-done type thing and it's not the case. So I thought I thought the comments were just a little bit lowbrow, no pun intended for Davis, but uh, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, a lot of people, look, you know how that if stuff, you know, you can say if forever on, on all that stuff. Like 2010, I, I was directly involved with the uh, – with the Celtics Lakers series and Celtics should have won that series. And then if, if Perkins doesn't go down with a 20 CL, then, you know, a, you know, he goes down a, a 20 CL game five and a uh, game six, I'm sorry. And then they were, they were going to win that in six. And then the Lakers ended up winning and the Lakers had no answer. Bannon was hurt, you know, and all that. So there's, there's that series. There's everything that was, we just mentioned. And look, you could say the same thing about should the, should the Lakers have won the championship if they didn't have a bubble. You know, if they were just regular series and no no pandemic, do they win a championship? Probably not. But who cares? It is what it is. I, I never asterisked anything. You know, that's just what it is. But yeah, you know how it is. You know, people pop off at the mouth and, you know, they like saying stuff. They get bored. They like saying shit to the media. It's a big story and all that. But you know, that if shit, I, I just, I, I pay, I don't pay any attention to it because it's just, you know, I don't know, maybe he's hurting from the series and, he want, you know, maybe it still hurts him to, to this day and he just wanted to get it off his chest and mention it. But yeah, all that shit, you don't really have time for that shit. It's just, it doesn't make any sense to be honest, but you know, it's the NBA that, you know, they, they're, they're covered 24 seven. There's only so many sound bites and cliches you can give the reporters. You got to give them something sometimes. So, you know, they, he took his shot and, Hey, it is what it is. Book of claps back, all that, and what are you gonna do? Yeah, I, I just think it was. Low. I think it was low considering what they're built, you know. Um, and Phoenix have, yeah, Phoenix have done it the right. The hell way. of a team. Yeah, they're, they're yeah, the hell of a team. So, yeah, Thibs will be back next season, pro reported. Um, <laughs> yeah. interesting. There were some rumblings mid-season that they weren't too happy with him. So, um, what you'd probably have your ear to the ground on this one closer, better than I do. What, what, what's going on? I think there's just a, a lot of bad press from sort of all that stuff being leaked out about, you know, Tibbs while he was coaching and, you know, the, the front office sort of double, you know, you know, second guessing him and throwing him under the bus and all that. And I mean, the season's not over yet. There's a lot of lip service about that, but you know, you know how that is. That could go, you know, a bad, if they lose like eight in a row or they get, if they make the playoffs and they get, you know, the play in and they get, they lose first game and then they're out. I mean, it, that they could still fire the guy. It's not, it's nothing, you know, I don't take anything that anyone says in the NBA for gospel because you know how that fucking league is. It's just, you never know. Like they say one thing. I I like the guy. I, I like Tibbs. He, he cleans you up. He's one of those guys that can clean you up that could sort of get your guys to play like pros. Sort of like Larry Brown at the end of his career. Like well, Larry Brown is a hell of a coach. But you have to deal with a lot of shit with Larry Brown. You have to deal with, you know, him calling GMs over your GM's head to, to make trades with your team without even talking to the GM. And like a lot of the other shit with, with, with Tibbs, he's going to play everybody crazy minutes. Everybody's going to practice and have to, you know, lace up and, and, and sort of, you know, and tape up for, you know, for shoot arounds. And he's going to go hard and he's going to be a grouch and he's going to. You know, and, and people are going to get sick of him and, and then he'll probably wear his way out and probably get fired in, in how many years. 
but you know, I don't think it's really right to sort of have that stuff in the media about a month ago, you know, when you're throwing him under the bus. I mean, you knew who he was. He's been like this his whole career, you know, and I think he's a good basketball coach. I think that team's a, a far ways away of being really good. And I think that those young guys that they still have that still need a guy like that in their life coaching wise, because I think he does it the right way and he really teaches them how to be a pro. Now, you know, once they get cooking, maybe those guys will start saying, all right, I'm tired of this. You know, we need another voice, but I think it's good to have him back. I think that, that like, look, Randall's not ready. You know, he's too inconsistent. They've had a lot of injuries with Rose and Nerlens. They, they, they've dealt with some injuries, though. And just the team hasn't played well. And it's not all Tibbs' fault. You know, the team's just not playing well. It's just, I'm glad he's going. I'm glad. I hope I hope they stay true to form and they actually bring him back because I think he deserves to be back. Well, I, I just don't think he's This is the thing. Like, they put yeah. that announcement out. It's like, who are you getting anyway? Who are you going to go out there? Yeah. Who, who's out there next season? Like, maybe LeBron, LeBron player coach? Maybe, maybe Rich Paul coach. But um, my point is, like, you're not going to do better than him. Like, yeah, okay. He, he Like, that whole wear out your welcome shit, it's like, yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe maybe there's a lot of uncoachable players on the team. Maybe there's a lot of guys that don't want to buy in. Maybe there's guys that don't want to buy into that system because he plays a system that's kind of the opposite of what they think they are. You know, there's a lot of different things that go on. Um, and then you've got, a, you know, probably a GM that maybe thinks he's a genius that wants to coach, you know. So that that's where, like, running a club is so hard. And, and being now, being an owner of a club, like I see it, it's like you want to give feedback. I, I, I'm cognizant of giving feedback to, you know, coach at times or to the GM, but – I'm also cognizant of not having them do what I want, right? Like if they just do everything I want, they're not then coaching or, or, or managing or signing guys to their the, the reason why I hired them. So then you, you're kind of undermining their role and then you're going to fire them anyway. So you want them to excel and do what they're doing. Um, but sometimes, yeah, they do need to pull up every now and then and all that. But for the most part, you want them to, to back themselves um, and take your feedback. I'll give the feedback. You don't always have to use it. I'm not going to get offended if, hey, I, I don't think we should sign that guy. And you're like, I really think he's going to put us over the top. I'm then not going to say, well, we're losing because we signed that guy and he sucked. It was a mistake. You learn from it and and and, and we move on. But if you just want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, kind of like we, we heard from the Knicks a, a month or two ago, you're going to be the Knicks of the last 10 years for the next 20 years. You know, that's just the reality of the NBA. And that's, that's what, that's what bothers me so much in the NBA. It's like, you know, you want a GM wants you, wants, wants certain players played. It's like, well, you coach a team then as well. Folks, CAA repped Thibodeau. They, Leon Rose knows exactly who he hired. Those guys know exactly who he hired. It's not like you sort of hired Rick Pitino out of college you know, when he was with the Celtics, you didn't really know what you were going to get, you know, because he's never, he's, he hasn't been in the NBA a long time. This guy has been like this and you know him, you repped him, you repped his contract, you know, you dealt with him on a daily basis. You knew exactly what you're getting. Nobody changes in the NBA ever, both, ever. Like, you know, you know, Jeff Van Gundy, right? Like Mr. Joke around on the media, joke around on, on TV. I, I worked at camp with him for a week. He did not say a word to anybody for a week. That's how he is. <laughs> and, and he's, an, and he's like he's Rodney. On TV, bro? He's Rodney Dangerfield on TV. And then if he gets an NBA job, he's going to go right back to where he was. And that's okay because that's who you are. You're like, that's who you are. You always revert back to who you really are in the NBA. And that's what Thibodeau is. 
He's 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 a grind you out, Bill Belichick without the rings type of guy. And he's that type of guy. He's going to grind it out. He's going to try to squeeze every ounce of talent your team has. Is he great with young guys? No. Is he is he good with like spoiled vets that just want to be pampered? Hell no. Right? He plays to a certain type of, you know, of player. His coaching style fits certain types of players. But you knew exactly who you're going to get. You know, you hire me, you hire me for the Sydney Kings. You know that the, you know, if the any pizza on the plane, I'm getting it before the fucking players do. Because <laughs> you know who you hire, Bogues. You know me, right? You know me. I'm not going to wear a suit. I'm going to swear my ass off. Everybody's going to laugh and no one's going to get any food. We don't have those. That, over- you know have, that. We don't have those oversized sweats though in, uh, in Sydney. We're oh, with, fuck it. I'm not. No, fuck that skinny, skinny jean shit. <laughs> fuck that shit. I'm out. You can offer me 8 million a year. I'm out. But like this, yeah, the whole, I hope he, I'm glad he's coming back. I like, I like Tibbs. I've always have, I think he's a good coach. I know what he is and I know what he is. And it just, it's just one of those things, man. Yeah, it is. It is. So I think, I mean, another good off season, some tweaks, they should be back in the playoffs, but we'll, uh, we'll watch that space. He's he's starting to get a little bit better. Um, Scoring binge last week, bro. I mean, geez, yeah. there was a scoring binge. Kyrie, 41 at the half, finishes with, finishes in the 60s. Cat, you know, absolutely exploded. So 50-point weeks. Um, Sadiq Bay, did you see this game, Pro? I did not see the game, but I saw him. Uh, he put up, a, he put up what, 50? 51. Did you see how you got it? No. Uh-uh. So, so the Orlando Magic the epitome of success the last 10 years, but they <laughs> – Sadiq has 49. So what do the Orlando Magic uh, do? Yeah. They triple team him to not let him get 50. <laughs> right. the, guess what they did when they triple teamed him? Foul? Fouled him. <laughs> put him <laughs> fouled him, put him on the line. It's like a tough one. It's, it's Look, for individual players – you, you got to let him, let him. If he gets his fifty in the natural flow of the game, so be it. If it's something different, look, I was part of a uh, an interesting game. Um, Houston versus your boy Chandler Parsons on this team. Houston versus Golden State. <laughs> do you remember this game? It was, was two thousand. Uh, I think I do. Go ahead. Fifteen and uh, Mark Jackson was the coach, and and they were like we had a rivalry starting to brew with them, right? Um, we had a rivalry and and it was starting to get testy and and you know it's good battles and they they smacked us they absolutely smacked us in Houston they were up by they were up by thirty in the fourth right and there was about six minutes left and they were they were up by thirty and I think Mikhail I think Mikhail was a coach at the time I think he was a coach um, he okay they were close to the to the NBA record of threes made in the game. He left all his starters out there, literally till the, till the last couple of minutes, um, which I thought was we all thought was pretty poor form. We're like, dude, you're up by you're smacking us. Like we we had our benching at that point. Like we had, we cleared our benches mm-hmm. like with seven minutes left. We're like, we're not winning this game. We're down by thirty five or whatever. Mm-hmm. He keeps most of his good players in, trying to run, trying to run up the, the score, uh, run up, t- trying to hit threes. So all they were doing the, ne- the, the the last part of the quarter was just jacking threes at all costs. They weren't even, they weren't even, tr- they were just trying to get the record. So 
I mean, some people might agree with this. Some people might might not. Some people might agree with what they were doing. They might agree. Like, why not go for the record? Some people might say, "Well, you've won. You've won the game. A player could get hurt. It's not. You know, there's that whole don't run up, don't make guys look bad that you're already smashing in the NBA, right? It's it's kind of like scoring in the last second um, to stat to stat your uh, pad your stats. But anyway, so we call a timeout, and uh, Mark Jackson goes, "We're going to foul him every time down the court." I just put him on the free throw line. I think for I think they had two minutes left to make one more three. I think or a minute fifty. Mm-hmm. Look up the clip. So we we intentionally fouled. Basically, whoever had the ball the rest of the game, so they couldn't shoot a three. <laughs> and it became this big thing. Like, how dare the Warriors do this? And so disrespectful. And we're like, well, hang on a second. You guys have been. I think it was disrespectful on both sides. It was shenanigans. You know, tomfoolery on both sides. But that's just a small example. But why I bring that up is the Sadiq Bay thing is a little bit different. It wasn't so much so that they were going at all costs um, when he had 30 to get him to 50, but he was close to 50. And then, yeah, they're trying to get him his 50. It's a, it's a great milestone. So I'm not sure if you agree with the discrepancies of those two stories, Pro, how you feel about it, but um, just a small example I thought I'd give. You know, Bogues, I don't know, man. You know, whatever. Like, just get the fuck out of there. You know what I'm saying? Like, if a guy's going to score 50, 80, 90, you have no control what the other coach is going to do. See, I'm not the ultimate, ultimate Mr. Competitor. I'm not, you know, I'm not fucking Tony Robbins or any of that shit. Like it is what it is. If a guy's going to, if a guy's going to fuck, you know, fucking hammer you, they're going to hammer you. You know, do you want to get him back next time? Great. Get him back next time. Whatever. It's one game is a thousand games in the fucking NBA. If, you know, if some jerk off wants to run up a score on you or, you know, or, you know, like, you know, throw the ball to himself or dunk when, you know, when he's down 18 and you're dribbling it out, steal it from you and dunk it. Like whatever you're going to do, whatever the shenanigans is going to happen, it's going to happen. So I don't really carry the way of, you know, what happens if a coach tries to stop it, tries to, you know, tries to propel it, whatever they try to do. I'm not really a big one. Like as a player, I'm sure you get pissed off a little bit when that stuff happens to you. You know, um, I would assume Bogues, right? Like, yeah, if, if you're, when that if, stuff happens, your face in it, like you know, I think Houston were yeah. rubbing our face in it at that point. Like it was obvious, right? That that gets as a veteran, you're like, okay, guys, like you you're already beating us. We've waved the. Did you play with Bell? Did you play with Bell in Golden State? Charlie Bell, or not Raja, Charlie Raja, Bell, the Raja. other Bell, Raja. No, no, not no, Raja, no. the the young kid. No, Bell. Um, what's the kid's name? Bell, the big Jordan Bell, is it? The big oh, strong no, kid, oh, yes, the yes, athletic. He, oh, he was just there the couple of seasons ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is that when yeah, you so, talking about the off like, the backboard? <laughs> yeah, like, I, like all guys are pissed. You know, all guys are pissed. We're gonna get him. I forgot who the guy said that was gonna railroad him next game. I'm like, who gives a fuck? Ugh. So what? So like, it is context, what it is. For context, give, give the guys. You guys are down big, right? We we're down huge, not big. In Dallas, right? Huge. Yeah, and. And I think like there was a fast break or something happened in Jordan Bell. Instead of like holding it out, like slammed it off the backboard and dunked it. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it's a dick move, but what are you going to do? Like you have no control over that. Just, you know what? Let's get the fuck home. Let's just get ready for the next one. If you want to get the guy back, you get him back. I don't know, Bogues. Again, I'm, I don't know. I'm just not Mr. Ultra. I'm going to get you back for that blah, 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 and yeah. grind you out. It's just, you know, but that's, you know, look, it, I guess everybody's their own person with that. 
I think they're a dick for doing it. And I think that kid's a dick for doing it. But what are you going to do? He did it. Move on. Next fucking game. We got more fucking things to worry about. Yeah, look, there's the argument as well. People say, well, if you cared so much, you know, guard the guy that that, that has 50 in the first minute like he did in the last minute, you know. <laughs> right. That's kind of the counter argument. Or for us, like, well, guard the three-point line from the start of the game better next time. And you're like, okay, that's fair enough too. So I understand both. But... Yeah, it's, it's, there is a bit of a respect thing, um, but as far as guys getting 50, by all means. All right, before we get to the infamous Dallas Mavericks, Glenn Big Baby Davis. <laughs> this guy never – he never ceases to amaze me, this guy. He's, he's just a barrel of laughs, bro. He's a barrel of laughs. He, uh, yeah. So a couple of weeks ago, he was at, um, at, a, at a Boston game, right? Um, and he, he – Yeah. <laughs> Garnett KG's night. KG's night. Uh, it was retirement. the funniest shit I've seen. So – you know, when 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 players come back, like someone Ben Baby Davis has come back to Boston, the camera will pan to them at some point in the game. You know, Glenn Baby Baby Davis is in town, um, and I guess when they right at the point, unfortunate timing, they pan to Big Baby Davis, supposed to be sitting in his courtside seat. Right as it was happening, he's getting kicked out of his courtside seat because he sat in someone else's seat, and his seat was like three rows behind. Behind it, and the poor bastard—they got it live on telecast, but on ESPN, they hear Big Baby saying, "Oh, is this your seat? Oh, my bad." <laughs> having to go, having to go three or four rows behind, and you're just like hilarious. Just, just the way the timing of that cameraman. But what was what now is funny about that is, bro, this this guy is he's, he's on probation. Yeah, he, he's not supposed to be traveling interstate. I'm not sure what state that's in. Probably California. He remember he infamously we spoke about it. Got caught for for, for committing fraud against the NBA player um, health pension plan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he remember he got yeah, so he got convicted as probation, and they're like, man, like what are you doing in Boston? Um, so had to. I guess they, the reason why they found out he was supposed to be on a radio show the next day and the radio was like, well, he hasn't contacted us. He hasn't come on the radio show. And then they did some research and found out he had to fly home for an emergency court hearing. And I assume he's got more penalties now, pro. But I mean, come on, dude. Like, you... <laughs> you Folks, it's oh. just... Some guys just don't give a fuck. And he just... He wanted to see KG. That's his boy. He <laughs> retired his number. That was KG's night. I think it was the Mavs game, if I'm not mistaken. That's when they lost to the Mavs. But I saw the game and I saw him getting kicked out of his seat. And I was like, what the fuck? And then uh, and then I read today. That's what I sent it to you. And uh, yeah, I guess I he, he violated anyway. some. I had on the run sheet anyway because I saw it. Oh, it's like, so good. So good. Oh, it's just, it's oh, just what are you doing, dude? Never. Never change. <laughs> I, 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 this guy's been like this his whole life, his whole life. Like how he grew up, um, while he was at LSU, you know, at high school, LSU, he's always been a clown, always been. I like Big Baby. I, I work with him a little bit. When he was at LSU, he came to Grover's gym to work out for a week. And uh, he's just a funny, funny bastard. And he just, He's one of those guys you just look at and laugh. I just you just can't help yourself. But that shit, that's you know, I don't know how much trouble he get, he got into with that, but it's oh, it would have got you, know, you extra, just shake your fucking extra, head. Probably some extra weeks or months added on to his suspended sentence, or would have probably maybe they've ankle bracelet him for a month. Who knows? 
but um, not, not the, the biggest crime in the world. It's just hilarious that he ratted himself out by, not only that, if you're going to breach probation, don't, don't sit near the court. How about that? Like sit, just sit, just get a nice lower bowl seat where you're mixing in with everybody else. <laughs> this guy had to be seen. Um, but yeah, he's a crazy it's character. Phenomenal. I can attest to that. I mean, in, back in my younger days when I used to go to the clubs and the bars on the road sometimes, we, we'd see him out because, you know, sometimes teams cross paths on the road. You see him out in a nightclub by himself, shirt off, yeah. middle of the dance floor, in a circle, dancing with people around him like, yeah, and he's got his shirt off above his head, waving it around, like just really fun, loving guy, good personality from what I heard to be, um, to be around. He's a fun guy, but wild, like wild, wild guy, like most, you know, most head coaches at some point would go crazy with him. But uh, funny story. Anyway, okay, the Dallas Mavericks pro, your Dallas Mavericks. Not, not my Dallas Mavericks, oh, your, your Dallas Mavericks. A lawsuit, oh, a lawsuit has come out. Um, Donnie Nelson versus Mark Cuban versus a Mr. Jason Luden, a name we don't hear very often, but uh, Mark Cuban's right-hand man. Now, this is – there's court documents. I'm not going to – we're not going to get into them too much that have gone both ways, Donnie's claims, um, and then the countersuit now. Of, 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 of Cuban and Luton protecting themselves and then their counterclaims. They're all online and public as, as per US law. The court records are all public. Wow, there's a lot in there. Um, Donnie Nelson, basically the short story is Donnie Nelson has alleged that he, um, he introduced, he, was it his nephew, Pro? Nephew. His nephew um, a, a while ago to uh, Jason Luton. Uh, Jason Luton had... Um, Spouse some predatory behavior. Now, this is the this is the Donnie Nelson's words, not mine um, or prose. But you know, J- Jason Luton hit on his nephew. Um, predatory behavior uh, at the time. Donnie Nelson was negotiating a contract extension with the Mavs. I believe he was offered somewhere in the realm of sixty six million over a number of years five, six, seven, eight years, however long it was. Um, Donnie Nelson had counted. <laughs> Takes big balls to do this pro in itself. He counted He counted and wanted 77 million over seven, I guess, mm-hmm. or whatever it was. So that negotiation was happening. Donnie, Donnie Nelson claims he then reported the Jason Luden slash Donnie Nelson nephew altercation or whatever happened, not altercation, um, you know, potential sexual assault to Mark Cuban and that's why his contract office stalled and went out of the window. Um, there's a few other things in there. Um, there's claims that Jason Luton covers for some of Mark Cuban's indiscretions and blah, 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 blah. It's pretty messy. The counterclaim basically reads that Cuban saying that Donnie Nelson was inept in his job, <laughs> was unprofessional, was trying to you know spruik and, and get investments for numerous other businesses while working at an NBA club through other NBA players and coaches and, and staff. Um, and just was unprofessional, and that's the reason why I didn't I didn't um, extend his contract. But it's look the, the the truth's probably few and far between. Who knows which side it's on um, with this? But pro, this is starting to become a bit of an issue for the Mavs. Um, that they constantly have these things pop up. Um, I know you were there. I was there for a small stopover. But at some point, you know, I'm not saying Donnie's right, and I'm not saying Cuban and Luden are right. Well, there's smoke, there's fire. This can't, you know, if, if these stories continue to come out. Something, something's not right there culturally that needs to be fixed and and, and spoken about. Um, and, and and by all means, you know, Cuban could be a hundred percent in the right here. Um, but the fact this stuff keeps coming out has to be a concern, bro. It's an embarrassment to the organization, and it's an embarrassment to the league for sure. 
I mean, regardless of what's happening, how it's happening, you know, it's an embarrassment and you gotta, but like, I mean, if these things are coming up against Cuban, he has to defend himself and, and do what have you with the, with the lawsuits and things. But it's, um, yeah, you read that and you're like, oh, wow, what the fuck? And then you read the counter suit and it's just like, you know, these guys have been together for like 20 years. Exactly. 20 years. And it's like, you know, look, I'm not a Jason Luton fan. You know, it's going to have to do with the lawsuit, the case. I, that's, you know, the, the court of law is going to decide what happens on that. I'm not a fan of the guy. He had a lot, he had a lot to do with me getting fired. And so I don't have a lot of love for the guy. But, um, you know, it's not great for him to have his name in, in, in lights. This is not the time you want your name in lights. And, you know, he's a big part of that organization. So um, you just don't want to see that. You don't want to read it continuously that, that that's what happened. Like what I thought was strange was on the counter suit was with the side businesses, right? Like, yeah, Donnie's a businessman. He owns, he owns businesses for sure. But like leadership 101, if that's a problem year five, year nine, year 15, why not say it's either one or another? You know what I'm saying? It's not like one or the other, but now it comes up and yeah, well, it comes in. Yeah. It comes in. It comes back at you. This is a great lesson for anybody who works in any organization. Do not accept favors from anybody in your work because like if they go, Hey, Bogues, ah, don't worry about it. You're good. Yeah, I know you were late last week, five minutes. You're good. Yeah, I won't say anything. You're fine. Until you're at a fucking court of law and you hear it, you read it in paper. <laughs> fucking Bogues is late. This day, this day, this day, this day, this day, this day. Do not point. accept any favors. Like if they say, don't worry about it, fucking worry about it. Don't dub yourself. Don't tell taking, yourself. <laughs> yeah, everybody's taking notes on everybody. Mm. everybody's taking notes on everybody. Like you read Donnie's claims and then you read their claims and they did this and they did this and they did this. I'm like, you know, well, if they did this, why not just bring it up? Like, why not say this is a problem? We can't have it, you know? And that's where, you know, look, whatever happened at a hotel room or didn't happen. Okay. They're going to deal with that. Right. But like the other stuff, all these other problems you have with one side or another, why can't you get in a room when it's happening and clean it up? And instead of like letting it to get to court and now it's like they're Mr. Bad guy for doing this or Mr. Bad guy for doing that. I'm not defending either way, either side, either side. Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't speak on things that I don't know. The court's going to decide it, but it's just embarrassing to deal with that. And look, if I'm, if I'm Cuban, if I'm Mark for now on, like, look, they've got, they've got Nico in there and, and Jake kid. They weren't a part of any of this. So it's like, they're, they're sort of in their positions. But like the whole organization, there has to be checks and balances. Like this is why feedback's always good and getting it in writing. You're doing a good job. This is what I like. This is what I don't like. You need to change this in a certain amount of time, or I got to get rid of you. And everything's got to be. It can't be. Oh no, we're gonna let it go. We're gonna let it go. And then it becomes a huge problem. But my thing is, they would have never sued the guy in counter sued if he didn't sue in the first place. So I don't think they were going to bring this up any, anyway. I think they were just defending themselves, but you know, it, to me, it's just like, I, I don't like when you have a problem with me and then it takes me getting fired or, you know, or bringing you to court for you to bring this other stuff up. 
you know, it, like it's got nothing to do with the case. Yeah, it's, it's like a divorce. Yeah. And plus, <laughs> 72 fucking million. I asked for 200 grand and they told me to fuck off. Now I feel a little slighted. 200 grand I was asking for, folks. They told me to go fuck myself. And that's, uh, <laughs> I feel, uh, I'm like, come on, man. 200 grand, this guy is getting 72 give it to Donnie. That's why, that's, that's a save for Donnie, man. Well, I was asking for 280 to get to 200. And then uh, <laughs> they, didn't even, they didn't even see the second day of it. Like I said, yeah, I'll, I'll take 280 for five. And I, all I wanted was 200, but you have to start high with them. And uh, they told me to fuck off with that. They didn't even come to the second number. And uh, I had to go home and try to explain that one to my wife. But yeah, Bogues, it's, 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 a, it's, it's sad to see because those guys were close for a long time. You know, it, but this, everything ends badly. You know, Tom Cruise said it in the movie Cocktails. Everything ends badly or wouldn't end. And it's the truth. Like, like everything ends badly in a bad divorce. Not necessarily this bad, but this is bad. Like, you have countersuits and so suits and that fucking... I'll tell you what, that, that court case is going to be like the, you know, the series finale for Seinfeld when they brought those guys to court. It's going to be a shit oh, show if it goes to court. <laughs> That's a fair point, actually. That is a fair point. Yeah. But all kinds of, oh my goodness. Yeah, because there is, look, there is, yeah. there is some, some, some bodies laying around Dallas. Uh, I can tell you that. Um, I've, I heard small little rumblings while I was there and there are some bodies floating around that place. So, geez, you you are absolutely right. There's going to be a long line of people that probably want to get get a, a count, you know, a side suit on with 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 Donnies or Cubans, vice versa, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Look, it's it's ugly, man. It, you know, it hurts your soul when you read that shit. Like, it's it, we're in the NBA. You know, it's not. This isn't like. You know, this isn't like a divorce. Like, you know, a bad you know, war. Of the roses a divorce here. This is. These are people who work together, like, but, you know, look, look the sexual whatever isn't something to joke around about if, if you bring in that up. It's not like you fight, like, if he just brought up a court case, you fired me for no reason. That's one thing. But he brought this thing up, and this is not anything to joke about if it did, in fact, happen. Who knows if it did or didn't? I'm not saying anything on either side of it, but... You know, it's just, it's crazy that these guys were so close for so long and now they're just sort of mortal enemies and they're going to, you know, they're going to end life like this. Yeah, like, it also reads like, it's weird. it also reads like if Donnie would have got his contract, the sexual assault didn't matter, right? You know. If it did in fact happen, but who knows? Like, but yeah, you get my point? Yeah. It's like the, so the, yeah. the sexual assault matters when there's a, an amount of money involved, but if you give me this amount of money won't say another word about it. So if it did happen, yeah. right? So um, ah. there, there is that part that part of it as well, which is disappointing. So, but yeah, I mean, like I said, yeah. smoke and fire Dallas, like they got, they got to clean their shit up, man. They're, they're, they, they const- there are constantly something going on there. Um, you know, they've tried to clean it up and it just continues to rear its ugly head. Like hopefully this is the last, the last remnants of it and Cubans obviously learned his lesson and moving on and trying to clean things up. But it will continue. It's going to be fun to watch. Um, it will be a popcorn worthy trial. Um, you might need to go down for that one in person, pro for the podcast live live pod or something. Uh, due to due to certain enemies I have, I might get hit with a drone shot when I, if I try to get out of my car in that area. So I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna watch it on TV like everybody else. Send one of your one of your old ball boys. <laughs> Uh, no, uh, yeah, there's about 27 of those out there for me. But you know, it's funny, like shit you know i've never been in it like look at me you know you know me i swear a lot you know like i try to joke around a little bit i'm not all that professional sometimes 
but like, I'm never in scandal. Like that, I'm not the furthest thing from it. I go to my hotel room. The most scandalous thing I'm going to do is order, you know, order three pizzas to the face, you know, in, in a nine, a $300 fucking, you know, uh, charge at the hotel. But like, that's just crazy to me, man. It's just crazy that, you know, they can't stay out of it. I just hope yeah, this is, this is a good organization, man. It's, they won a championship. They've, they put money into it. They've got, they, things are looking great. They're the hottest team and they one of the hottest teams in the NBA right now, you know, and now this shit happens. It's, you know, they just gotta, I don't know, man. It's yeah, they gotta not fun. It. it should be hopefully yeah. the last we hear about some scandals once this court case is over. Like I said, hopefully this is it. We don't want to hear anything else. Dallas Mavericks should not have another, you know, potential sexual, sexual assault, assault, whatever. You know, scandal, dodgy business. I don't want to hear anything for 20, 30 years from them. You know, um, they've, they've had their this, fair share. Yeah. If this teaches anybody that's listening to this or reading about the court case, anything is you use nothing but burner phones. You have nine <laughs> shredders that shreds every document. Assume that everybody's recording every word that you say and filming you doing everything that you do. And because this is crazy and it will come up if you ever, if you ever try to lawsuit, they will, you know, somebody, somebody will have something written down on you. The dossier that was kept Scrap is, yeah. is it was ridiculous, mm. but yeah, let's move on, man. Yeah. Let's move on. NBL baby, Sydney Kings, as we said, eight straight games. I was at the game last night. Um, we were a little bit shorthanded without Xavier Cooks, who would be a, generally be a big part of, of that battle with the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix and trying to stop Mitch Creek. But the Sydney Kings played a, – a, it was a really good game of basketball, first and foremost, um, outside of being a Kings owner and being biased. It was back and forth. We had a lead. They took the lead. There were jabs back and forth, and it was just – it was close the whole game. It's what you want a basketball game to be. So I think that everyone at that game enjoyed the game, even though the home fans didn't get the win. I, I thought from a basketball spectacle, that's what an NBL game should look like. But big, big win by two. Um, but some even bigger news, Pro, is the Sydney Kings have welcomed Robin Denholm um, from Walmart Capital Group and her family. Um, her son and uh, her son and daughter are going to be involved as well with the club as as official owners of the Sydney Kings, um, alongside myself and Paul Smith. Now. <clears throat> she does not like people mentioning this too much, but um, it is a huge get in the business world for people that are not familiar with Robin. I, I suggest you uh, Google her prowess. Uh, one of the one of the best business minds, not only Australia but the world. Current chair of Tesla Global. Um, so no small, you know, we by any means very very astute business wise. I mean, obviously. Um, Robin and her family will be investing money to come on board, but what she brings um, with her business acumen and her her network and and just her her mind for for, for growing businesses is, is is second to none. So we're really really excited. Um, I I was fortunate enough to go and meet with her um, on Friday with with Larry Kesselman in the NBL, myself, Paul Smith, and just had a little chin wag and introduced each other. Um, or introduce Robin and, and her family to uh, to Larry in the NBL, get a feel, and then um, they came to their first their first road game as as owners. So that 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 is sensational. It is absolutely huge for not only the Sydney Kings but the NBL. So for people that don't understand the scope of this, this is this is a heavy hitter. This is a this isn't a 
a person that's getting involved in this club because it's a, you know oh, I just want to I want to have Sydney Kings on my resume. I want to be able to go take some clients. Like she wants to get the game better. She'll be heavily involved with Sydney Kings and the Sydney Flames, a WNBL team. Um, but but great great get for for the Sydney Kings pro, and I think it's a, a great step in the right direction for the Kings and the NBL. And I can tell you, she's gonna. She's going to hold myself accountable. She's going to hold Paul Smith accountable in the way we run the club. She's going to hold our coaches um, and the NBL. You know, she's going to she's happy to put her two cents in on organizational type things if she has suggestions. So, I think you'd be silly not to listen to a person like that, pro. But uh, big welcome there. Yeah, I mean, with just her resume alone, with the stops that she's had, and and sort of how she does business is it'll open up a ton of doors for you guys. It's always. You know, always looking for, you know, obviously great investors, you know, financially, but the other doors that she could open up and, and sort of the wisdom that she could have from her stops over and being so successful in business like she is, is, uh, is great for the club. It, it makes everybody sort of, you know, want to be a little bit more professional just being around her and, and just having that injected into the organization. That's, uh, that's great, man. You know, congrats. That that'll be a that'll be a great hit. That that'll be great not only for the team, but I think it'll be great for the league as well. Hundred percent credibility, instant credibility. Um, with someone like this, who's in some of the, you know, some meetings with the, the finest business minds in the world. I mean, Elon Musk, for instance. Um, I think right. having having her two cents is going to be worth more than two cents. So very big welcome sure. there. Uh, the win yesterday was was also a very big pro because. Uh, the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix and the Kings and, and Illawarra all kind of in the same realm on the ladder, three, four, five at the moment. And it was a double double points win essentially because it was a head-to-head. So they got a loss, we got a win. So it was, it was very, very big. It knocked them down to fifth. Southeast Melbourne are now out of the four in fifth. Um, and then, you know, you've, you've got Perth, um, Mel- Melbourne, Perth, us and Illawarra still in the four, so it's going to be a it's going to be a very very close race. So watch that space. But your your jack jumpers again. We're going to talk to them real quick. Some a little bit of uh, <laughs> a little bit of argy bargy last night, pro. Um, you actually saw this, which was means you're following some of the NBL stuff, which is great. But um, we we saw a highlight of it because um, their game was before our game, and we couldn't really get any context. But found out. So what had happened was you've seen Scott Roth and his. Um, do you know what happened? <laughs> what led yeah. to this? Well, he's the he does the whole screaming thing, right? To the fans that one game or a couple of games that like yep. after the game he just sort of like turns to his fans and just sort of, you know, screams at him or something. Yep. Yeah, look, it's been noted that um, you know, Scott Roth has been away from family. He hasn't seen his his wife, I believe he has children too, hasn't seen his family in in, in almost I think over a year with everything going on. Um kind of been recluse in Tasmania, just focused on basketball, new franchise, all the pressure of that, trying to get them on the right track. So after a few big wins, um, most notably the Illawarra, I think the Illawarra Hawk, Hawks a couple of weeks ago, um, there's been two or three wins where he's beat teams that they're not supposed to beat um, and he's just gone berserk to the crowd, pumping them up, running around the court on their home fans and, and thanking them all, you know, pounding his chest and saying thank you all for coming and, and just, you know, real, real passionate stuff. Um, and it, I, I don't think... It was ever to a point to try to disrespect the other team. I think it was it was actually respectful of the other team if you really think about it, because it was showing that he's so pumped for that win because they're not supposed they they you know they know they're not supposed to be really on paper battling, but he's got his guys playing at such a good level um, that they're battling with good teams that Illawarra's picked the championship favourite. So anyway, Illawarra and Tasmania played last night, and I guess. 
Illawarra beat the living suitcase out of uh, out of uh, the Jack Jumpers' 20-30 point win. And Tony S. Cleveland, um, it's reported <laughs> that he went in the front of <laughs> the Tasmanian bench towards the end of the game with seconds ticking down and did the Scott Roth in, in front of Scott Roth. <laughs> and... Scott Roth did not take too lightly to it. So they, you know, in Australia, bro, you have to shake hands after the game, which is a good thing and a bad thing. It can cause problems at times. There's been suspensions from shit happening in those handshake lines. Sure. And sure. and Scott Roth was livid. He was going at him. He was he was trying to get to him. He was saying it was disrespectful. And I guess Cleveland was like, Well, you did to us a couple of weeks ago. So there's a little rivalry building there, but Roth went went a bit crazy. It'd be interesting to see what uh what the league does, um, whether they find the Tasmania Jack Jumpers, which would be finding themselves because the league still owns the Jack Jumpers. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, oh, that's where we get. Well, they're trying. They're, they are obviously trying to build build the club up and sell it, but they do own the Jack Jumpers yeah. as of, as of current. So, but it will be interesting to see if Scott Roth does get a little a little whack out of the uh, the checkbook. Um, but. You know, it is it is interesting. I'm I'm not sure how you feel about it. Uh, it feels like Cleveland was definitely trolling back and trying to say like, if you're going to do it to us, we'll do it to you. But I don't think the initial Scott Roth doing it the last month or so was was so much as being disrespectful to the other team. More just a just letting go of that emotion of of everything that he's probably gone through the last year, bro. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't expect players to be professional these days. Let's be honest. Not all of them, anyway. And it's you know. I don't know. You just open yourself like everything that you do out in the open opens yourself up for it. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. You're open up for ridicule and someone to make fun of you. And that's just the way it is. People do it for people do it because they're addicted to tomfoolery. Some people do it to show you up. Some people do it just because they know they're going to be on social media doing it. And it's going to be a story. Uh, some people do it for all those reasons, you know, combined. So yeah, it's just something you have to deal with in 2022. You got to deal with people just wanting to troll you on everything that you do. And look, we we know why he does it and he screams and does that. But look, you do it. I don't care what your intention is. You open yourself up for it. And so like any, in my opinion, anything that you do today, you just got to get ready for some level of you know, ridicule, somebody copying you, you know, put like anything. It might be fun, you know, it might just be fun and two people, you know, laughing at each other or it could be, you know, a little cynical. And that's just where we live and that's what he has to expect. You know, the loss probably didn't help and all that stuff, but I don't know. Hey, look, I'm never going to tell somebody how to feel if he gets pissed and he wants to fucking knock the guy out. So be it. Do, do what you got to do. But like you just again, you just have to. That's just what it is, in my opinion. But yeah, it's a never, never a dull moment, man. Yeah, no, it is. A bit of bit of passion is good. I don't, I don't mind it. Um, you just don't want. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a series a number of years ago, Melbourne versus Adelaide, where there was a in the handshakes. Which it, this, I think, this is stupid. I think in a playoff series, you should not shake hands after the game. You should shake hands at the end of the mm-hmm. series for obvious reasons mm-hmm. and the obvious reason mm-hmm. is this Melbourne versus Adelaide four or five years ago um, I think I think it was Sobey and someone else got into a little little scuffle and there was a headbutt players got suspended for the next game um, and it cost Adelaide this you know Melbourne won the series probably fair and square but it could it could have changed Sobey was one of their best players it could have changed the direction of the series so that's that's an example as to why in a playoff series it gets very heated you're playing a three game series one 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 I think 
checking of the hand should be at the end just to stop any of this happening. But in a regular season game, shaking hands is fine. But um, yeah, I think Scott Roth probably also needs to turn it back a little bit being a head coach. But he is a passionate guy. He did feel disrespected. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he, he wears his heart on his sleeve. So I just wonder if he'll, uh, he'll cop a little fine for it or not. We'll see. All right, stats, useful and useless pro. Chicago Bulls, told you I'd bring them up again. 2-16 mm-hmm. and 16 versus teams with a better record than them this season, pro. Useful or useless? Ooh. That's useful, man. It tells you a lot. Um, it tells you a hell of a lot. And, and I didn't know that with the record-wise. And uh, like I said, that that tells me what type of team you are. You know, can you can you really do it well against the teams below you? Can you dominate teams below you? Can you beat the hell out of teams in your in sort of in your own area? And how do you play against the top tier teams that are better than you? And especially up top. And two and sixteen is not cutting it. Now I don't know how many were how many that that two and sixteen was against. You know while they were you know while they were hurt. I don't know and I don't care. Two and sixteen is not cutting it, and it says a lot about you. So I say, I say definitely useful on that. Yeah, useful for sure. I mean, it's obvious. I mean, the formula usually is if you can win 70, 75 percent of the games that you're supposed to win. Um, so teams that are below you, and if you go 500 with teams that are above you or in your realm, you're going to be a pretty good seed. That's generally the formula. Um, you're going to be a top four. You, mm-hmm. should, you should get home court. Um, two and 16 is not cutting it. Like <laughs> injuries or not, mm-hmm. I don't give a shit. Two and 16. And don't forget they're in fifth now. So there's a fair few teams that are above them record-wise. It's not like they were in second and you're saying – or third mm-hmm. and you're saying, oh, you, you haven't beaten Phoenix ever or well, no one has. Um, Statmuse? Mm, um, I think that one was Statmuse. Yeah, Statmuse are great. Shout yeah, out to them. That's good. Yeah, that's a that's good one. Good. All right. I'm going to quiz you a little bit. Don't look at the the answers, Pro. There are three teams mm-hmm. that are in the top 10 in both O and D. Who are they, Pro? Top uh, Let me see. I would say Phoenix, Boston. Phoenix, Boston. Uh, Miami? Two out of three. Good job, man. Phoenix, Miami, and oh, shit. the Memphis Grizzlies. Oh, no shit. The Memphis Grizzlies, really? Yeah. Yeah, they're top, top 10 uh-huh. in O&D, so doesn't happen a lot. Um, we've got three teams doing it this season, but usually it's a pretty good formula to get you somewhere um, up the top of the ladder, and it's, it's equated to that. So Phoenix first, Miami first, and Memphis, I think they're third or fourth at the moment. So... Um, yeah, pretty impressive, very very useful stat. But uh, they're they're both rolling, which is great. Pretty useful if you could if you can get up there on both ends of the floor. You know, usually it's just one end, and you dominate one end, and then the other end you're just okay and or what have you. But I mean, to be able to do it on both ends, offense and defense, it says a lot about you know where you're going. And think about it: like Phoenix is on top. You know, Phoenix is on top of the West. Memphis is right there. You know, Miami's you know Miami's right there in the East. So. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That's a pretty that's a pretty cool stat. That's pretty useful. All right, before last game, when he hit the game game tire, Russell Westbrook, since All-Star break, was shooting 9% from the three, bro. Useful, useless. Pretty fucking useful to compare to how he's shooting it this year. You know, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's look, bad. there's nothing going right for that team. And, uh, and he's had a bad year. It's not all his fault. It's not all their fault. It's just a combination of a combination of a lot of things. But uh, it's pretty useful. I mean, the guys, I mean, every other day you see, you know, multiple clips of hit, him hitting the side of the backboard on shots. And it's just, you know, he's not in a good place. I don't care what he says. I don't care, 
how, you know, what he says to the, uh, how it's not hurting him and not, it's not affecting him or impacting him. It's definitely hurting him and impacting him. You could definitely tell that. So, 100%. um, yeah, it's definitely, in my opinion, definitely, definitely something that's useful, man. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And it is, it is affecting him mentally because he's, he's, he's even, even when he's wide open and wants to shoot it, he's second guessing it. And then as soon as you second guess it, you might as well not shoot it. You know, might as well pass it on and get it on. And, um, yeah, nine percent is just not going to cut it, and I think it's a little bit better now. He's probably got up to 14 percent. He hit a couple last game, but uh, they're going to need him to fire to get out of that uh, that playing game if they've got any hope, which we which we both don't uh, don't think they will. All right, Harden and Embiid in a seven game stretch about three or four days ago um, that ended three or four days ago had more total free throws in that seven game stretch than their <laughs> opponents combined. Pro. 178 to 177 free throws. That includes the other team's bench. Useful or useless? It's pretty useful. Just, it's just how these guys get to the line. You were the one who said it. I mean, you, you, you said it right when they got hot in the trade that, you know, you, you're going to, you better get a Snickers bar. You're going to be there for a while because <laughs> yeah. those guys are going to get to the free throw line. And yeah. it's unbelievable, man. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. 178 to 177. That's that's two unbelievable, guys. man. Yeah, two guys. It's yeah. Just, so you just watch crazy. two guys shoot, you know, dart practice for, you know, five minutes a game each. You know, you're just like, oh, it's just and, – and we've spoken about the, the, the rules have slowly started to go back to old and they're letting those guys get back to the line. So definitely useful. Um, and, yeah, I wonder, I wonder if it will stay that way in the playoffs. Last one, pro. Jock Landale becomes the first – the first San Antonio Spur to score 25 or more while shooting 80% from the floor since David Robinson in 1989. Jock Landau recently, 26.7 rebounds, two assists, 12 of 15 from the field for good old Jock. Useful or useless? Well, since he fucking doesn't come on our show anymore, it's useless as fuck. He could, you know, I'd rather Melvin Robinson than fucking this guy. <laughs> but no, it's, it's useful. It's pretty, it just goes to show the guy the guy stays ready and, and he makes the most out of his opportunity. 25 on 80% shooting, that's pretty, that's, that's pretty impressive. So and as a thank you for, that, for that great performance, do you know what he got the next night, bro? A bottle of wine? A DMP. Oh, nice. From, from our friend Nice. Pop. From our friend Pop. Yeah. Has a night like that uh, and then uh, great job. We'll see you in three games. <laughs> I'm scratching my head. I'm still scratching my head. You think if we cancel the... You think if we cancel the podcast, that Pop will, Pop will like start the guy? Hashtag free Jock Landale. Come on, Pop. Get it done. But yeah, I mean, he's got to get in the game the next game, surely. 26 and 7 at 80%. Doesn't get in the next game, Pop. What are you doing, man? I know you paid Zach Collins all that money, but. I'm selling of- Wandale. I'm sending Wandale a cake in the locker room with a file in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Might as well get out of there. All right. What do you got? All right, folks. Uh, remember, we're team oriented, and look, we haven't had much love at all, unless it was the uh, unless it was our team of the week for Detroit this year. So we're gonna give we're gonna give this is a Detroit. Uh, we're gonna revolve the fact of fake news around Detroit Pistons. Five years from now, Detroit will be in a better direction than Port- the Portland Trailways. So. Basically, they'll be just a better team, record-wise, talent-wise, star-wise, going forward five years from now. Uh, now, 
Don't worry about the town now, the city. We know we're not really fans of Detroit as a city <laughs> over Portland, but I'm talking about the team. Yeah, they're both not great. I think I think Detroit. Okay. Are, uh, Do you want to, hold on, hold on. Yeah. I'm going to help you out a little bit. I'm going to give you sort of where each team is with like young guys. So Portland. Okay, so Portland's roster. All right, we've got Portland's roster in the depth chart. So Lillard's probably going to be gone one way or another five years from now, right? So they got they got Simons seventeen. He's averaging seventeen and four. He's gone, they got right. Nurkic. He'd be there. Gone, yeah, right. yeah. So yeah, and not counting the draft picks and stuff that they get, mm-hmm. but like him, Nurkic, fifteen and eleven. I mean, that's basically all they have. You know, going forward, they don't really have a lot of good young players after that. Now, look, they've got Lillard, you know, they've got Josh Hart. I guess, you know, he's averaging 19 and five since he's been back and since he got there. So basically, your three guys are Simons, Hart, Nurkic. Think about the cap room they'll have. Lillard's probably going to, well, he'll be making about 112 million on his new max deal, either there or somebody else. But five years from now, like players, destination, what they have now, that's what they're going to have. Now, Detroit, Detroit Pistons. Let me go to them. All right. So now you get their big guys are Cade Cunningham, of course, top pick, 16 and six right now. Sadiq Bay, 16 and six. They got Jeremy Grant, which will probably be gone, but still a young player, 19. Isaiah Stewart's decent. And now they're going to have a slew of picks because they're one of the worst teams in the league. They're going to have a pretty good pick. You know, they'll probably have multiple very good picks going forward. You know, so let's just say three years from now. I think three I'll, years from now. The- I think fact. I think fact. Either way, um, I like Kate Cunningham. Um, I like building around him. I like that idea. I think he's going to be a very good player. I think he's got all the tools to be the leader of that franchise for a long, long time, and they can build around him. Um, Bay. A good piece next to him. Bagley, we still – the jury's out. I mean, he's mm-hmm. starting to show a little bit more, getting some minutes. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't mind um, – Grant's still there, right? Jeremy Grant? Jeremy Grant's still yeah, there, Jeremy, yep. 19 I, I and think, 4. I think, yeah, I think he's been solid. Um, they paid him a fair bit, but I think he's been solid for him. They're going to have a shitload of picks, um, but I like that. I like the Cunningham piece over the Simons piece. I think Simons probably putting up better numbers, but Cunningham, I think his growth's going to be much more immense. The Lillard thing, I mean, who knows where that goes, but I think in, yeah, I think five years, even three, I think I'd go to Detroit Pistons, so I'd say, um, and they're in the and they're in the east, east, so I think it's a little bit easier on that side of, of things at the moment, so I will say fact. Yeah, I say fact as well. I just don't like, I don't like Portland where they're going. I mean, it doesn't matter what they do with Lillard or not. It's just like, you know, they're not going to have, I mean, they'll have right now, like Bledsoe, for this year, they're obviously where they are, you know, I mean, they can get off a lot of salary next year. Like Bledsoe's, Bledsoe's got one more year at 19-4, but they only they only guaranteed, they partially guaranteed his deal to 3.9. So they could save 15 million there. And then uh, they got Josh Hart on a non-guaranteed deal. So they could they could literally right there cut off of about $30 million a cap. And then they only have about four or five guys left in the books after that. So they've got legitimate cap room for next year, depending on what they're going to do with Lillard and his extension or not. So they can get guys. The problem is nobody wants to go to a team that's not winning. And that's the thing. They're not winning. They have no direction right now. They're, they're, you know, it's like 
well, I don't want to say any Titanic references. I think I've said enough for the year, but like, you know, they're just shedding weight, they're shedding salary, they're shedding players. So they really, I, I think they'll have a limited part, a limited time, you know, chance of getting better. Where the Detroit Pistons, look, they're not perfect either, but they got Cade Cunningham, who's an all-star player. I don't think he's a great player. I don't think he's he can get into the top five or the top, even the top 10, but he could be one of those guys that could be an all-star somewhere from like, he can be like 11 to 30, you know, consistently year in and year out. Um, you know, Sadiq Bey has been a really good young player. Uh, Marvin Bagley is what he is. I think this is what he is like 13 and seven. That's what he can give you. He's not a bum by any stretch of the imagination. He's just not a, he's not a guy that you could just like run everything through. He's a solid player. And I think he could be, if, if, if I'm them, I'm, I'm trying to sign him just so, sort of a long-term pretty good deal. And then you got all these draft picks and things. I, I think Detroit will definitely have a better future right now. They need a point guard. Killian Hayes is just okay. He's averaging like six and four. And Corey Joseph is just a journeyman sort of off the bench guy, averaging eight and three. So they've definitely got to upgrade the point guard position, in my opinion. And then, you know, um, but they got some good pieces. I, I, I do think that. And they got a bunch of drafts that they'll do, they'll do well in. So uh, I say it's fact as well. All right, folks, Kate Cunningham, you spoke of, you like him. I like him. He's a good young player. And now you could plead the fifth. <clears throat> you could plead the fifth on this if you don't want to incriminate yourself for your Golden State faithful. But right now, better young prospect, Cade Cunningham or Jonathan Kaminga? Uh, Kaminga. Oh, sorry. No, uh, Cunningham. Ooh. Cunningham. Cunningham. Sorry, sorry. Sorry. Cunningham. I think Cunningham. Yeah. I think Cunningham. And I like Kaminga a lot. I think he's... Probably more athletic, would you say? He's he's really really he's, yes, he's, he's that, very much he's that strong bouncy like just like just like a trampoline. But I mm-hmm. think um, Kate Cunningham's going to develop better individually because he's going to have a chance to play through the ups and downs of Detroit being shit. Um, I think what hurts Kaminga's development to an extent is he's not going to have that, that same opportunity as Kate, um, not for at least a year or two, right? Um, if Golden State eventually start going more towards a younger team or a rebuild, that's probably at least a couple of years away with Steph and Clay on that roster and Draymond. Um, Cade Cunningham's going to, I'll add what I argue with Josh Giddy, um, he's going to be able to play through his mistakes and that's going to be invaluable to Cade Cunningham. So I think I think that'll help to his prospects. So I'll take, I'll be, I'll go Cade Cunningham over Kaminga as of today. Yeah, I think I saw somewhere where Kerr called them like, was it another Greek freak or another Durant or something like that? I mean, you know how the coaches like to uh, pump up their guys and stuff. But I agree with you. I I, I think he will be. I I, I think it's fact. Um, I like, you know, I like Cade as far as how the games, you know, played today. You know, shot making. I mean, you know, he's not at the three-point line yet. Like, I think he shoots like 33. Um, but he's skilled. He's got a really high basketball IQ. He plays the game at a... You know, good change in speeds, come up to, you know, come, he can score on and off the ball. He's a good player, not a great athlete, not an, like he's a good athlete, nothing like Kaminga. Kaminga is an unbelievable athlete, you know, could run the floor, good activity and all that. I just, like you said, I think when you're allowed to play through mistakes and they're going to put the ball in your hands consistently, I think it's going to be really, you know, I think it's going to be a, you're, you're a tough player to stop, you know, and especially if they coach you the right way and, you know, they, they allow you to play through the mistakes. You coach you through the mistakes. I think that, um, I think it's a, a really good thing. I think, I think he's going to be better than Kaminga. I just, 
to me, Kaminga is like activity. He could run, he can cut, he could, you know, finish above the rim. I just don't like him in the half court when he's got to make a play. You know, like he could, he could Greek freak you to death and back you down, back you down, back you down, back you down and try to like score off, you know, off his like just jumping over you. He could probably do that. But, you know, I just don't think he's really an efficient player. He'll get better at it for sure. But I'm just not a, I'm just, as far as comparing him to Cunningham, I just think Cunningham right now and having a better shot, more skill, higher basketball IQ, you know, I think it's, uh, I think I would take my prospects with him over him. Now, let me ask you something, bro. If you flip the two, yeah. you put Kaminga on Detroit's current roster and let him play a la my, my argument of through his all his mistakes, 40 minutes a night, you do you, and you put Cunningham with Golden State where you know he makes a few mistakes and he's playing 18 minutes a night, would you have the same answer? I think it would be a lot closer. Yeah, so do I. I, I think the lack... Yeah, I don't. I still take Cunningham. Look, there aren't many guys that really up their shooting considerably when they get to the league. Like, if you're not a good shooter, you're not a good shooter. Now, when you do get better, there are players that have gotten better. Look, we, we could name a bunch of them. Most of them come from like San Antonio and <clears throat> Dorian Finney Smith has got, you know, he went from like a 29 to like a 38. You know, there are a bunch of guys that do get better when they get in the league. But in Kaminga, never really went to college or anything like that. So, like, he, you know, all he did was D League, G League, and, and what have you. So that's a little bit different. But, you know, guy shoots like seven, you know, 69 from the line, not bad, 33 from the three. I mean, actually, statistically, he shoots a little bit better. But I've watched Cunningham a lot in college. I've watched him a bunch now that he's been playing, you know, last six weeks or so. I, I just like him. I think he's got a, a higher IQ for the game. And I think he just sort of plays at a better sort of speed than Kaminga. Like he's, he slows the game down. He, you know, he could sort of process things. Now Kaminga, like I said, he's got this high upside with his athletic ability, which you can do a lot with, but it'll be, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting going forward. I, I, I look forward to seeing Kaminga. Maybe, maybe he'll make us both wrong and we'll see what happens with his development and things. They're going to sure. need him to play, which is good. So yeah, we'll see I it. think, I think, yeah, next couple of years will up this minute. All right, last thing. Detroit Pistons are a playoff team, top eight in four years. A top eight playoff, not a play in 9-10, but can get into that at least 7-8 game in four years from now. Oh, surely they get in one top eight. <laughs> yeah. um, I would say fact. Yeah. Surely they get in one, like year three, four maybe. They got to they sneak into one. Um you never know. They could be the Sacramento Kings of the East. Um, but yeah, I think they'd sneak into one. There's there's some teams, there's some other teams out East that are, are starting to age. Brooklyn, looking at them, looking at Miami to an extent, are starting to get a bit older. So there are some teams that are definitely getting older out there. But uh, yeah, the East, the East is, I mean, Chicago is going to be probably, you know, top four or five for another couple of years. Um, they've, they've got some youth, but um, yeah, I think they will. I'll say fact. I say, yeah, I say as well. I hate, I hate agreeing all three. So we agree, but like, I do agree with that. I, I, you know, I think that going forward, like I said, they've got all these young guys that we've been talking about. They picked up, I like the Bagley pickup. They're going to have these picks, you know, it'd be interesting. Like, what do you want in your roster? Do you like, like, would you rather be Detroit right now and their flexibility with young players and things? Or would you rather be like Indiana that has better players across the board? No doubt about it. But like, Still suck. You know, yeah. yeah, you're not good. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, these guys hard. don't really Do you, carry the mail. The the rock bottom, bottom out 
can have its pros and cons because you can rock bottom bottom out and then have a bunch of young guys that winning is not important. We're just developing. I think OKC probably is the does it right. They still value win. They're still trying to instill winning. But some teams when they overly tank and they're just like, oh, we're building, we're young. It's okay if we lose now. That can become a habit. You know, that can become a habit mm-hmm. in a player's psyche at a young age. And that can be, that can influence the way they pl- play and the way they think. And, oh, it's just one game. Who cares? Oh, we'll be good in five years. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a tough one. But, yeah, I think some teams do it right. Some teams do it wrong. Some teams are lucky as shit. You know, they draft the right guy. You know, Memphis, Ja Morant. Yeah. No one would have saw that leap this quickly, right? Um, and they, yeah. they they got lucky. I mean, they will, they'll tell us they did. Oh, we know we knew about it. That's why he was he was our mm-hmm. guy on the draft board. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure you realize you knew that good this quickly. Um, but that that's a lot of it is to do with luck. A lot of it is to do with the right guys in the locker room, the right veterans, the right the right fall of a ping pong ball. And sometimes we we I uh, think we over value what a GM or a coach can bring when when sometimes shit you just you just need the talent and the luck and and it works out for you now those, those other factors do help but we, we need to realize that sometimes it's just it can be up to the basketball guys bro yeah I, I agree with that it, it look a lot of this shit is luck like what's Popovich if he doesn't get luck in 97 no offense but come on exactly. like you don't get Duncan in 97 and you know, I mean, there's a lot of luck that goes through. What if, what if Milwaukee wakes up out of this slumber and says, you know what, we're not going to get, you know, we're not going to keep track. Or we're going to not keep track to trailer. We're going to, you know, we're going to take Dirk Nowitzki. We don't want, you know, we're not going to do that trade. Like what happens to Dallas, you know, Boston, you know, if what happens at Boston, if they don't take Paul Pierce and they take somebody else, like, like there's a lot of things that go through that you need a lot of luck, you know, we talked about injury in series before we talk yeah. about players, but the draft stuff is very important with that. Yeah. Like you can luck out and get a great coach. Who cares if you don't have the talent and um, you know, talent and flexibility and things like that. But yeah, there's a lot of luck. There's a lot of shit show luck that happens in this league. And it's just, you just got to keep your head above water until you can get some. And if you don't, and, and you're irrational about things about, you know, trades that you make and, acquiring players and taking chances when you don't really have to. And you're like, you know what, let's just chill. We're good. Let's just keep on developing. Let's just keep on evaluating the draft and keep on hitting it like that. You'll be good. But if you keep on just saying, nah, we'll throw, we'll throw this injured, you know, we didn't get this max player. We didn't get, you know, we didn't get Greek freak, but we're going to draft and we're going to, we're going to give this guy 128 million because, you know, he puts up good numbers, but he's got two bad knees. Who cares? And, and just because we need the fans to come in and we need, we need to win the press conference on July 8th. Like, no, nah, fuck that. Like if, you know, you, you stick to a plan, that's the problem with the NBA Bugs. You know, this, like everyone has this plan, you know, everybody like meets and in, in this office, everything's on laminated sheets. We're going to do this, 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 and this is what we're going to be about. This is what we're going to be about a couple of injuries, a couple of game losing streaks. You, you, you're trading everybody developments through the fucking, you know, out the window, you know, we're just going to do this. We're going to grab this guy and this guy. And then you're sitting there like, wait a minute, what about this plan that we had on August 15th coming into the season? Like we knew exactly what we we're going to do. We hit one fucking road bump instead of being like, no, nah, no, we're good. Keep to the plan. We're fine. Everybody's got to go crazy and you fuck yourself. You know, you just fuck the team and the organization going forward. So you need a lot of luck in this stuff. You just got to like chill, do everything else right. Wait for it. Take your lumps. You'll be good. 
but not a lot of teams know how to do that, man. And a lot of teams just like the, like they, they read all these John Gordon books and they say all the right things. And, and then they have a little bit of adversity and boom, they just, they just panic like crazy. Patience is virtue, pro. Non-pro no sports it ain't, but uh, that wraps up episode 58. Thanks everyone for joining us at Rogue Bogues. Let us know, give us your feedback at Hoop Consultants for Pro and we will catch you all next week. Thanks.